Jesus is known not just for the statements he made, but for the questions he asked. Questions that challenge the religious and those who feel far from God. Questions that reveal his purpose and his plan. Questions that cut to the heart of our beliefs, our motives, and our identity. I wonder, how will you answer the questions Jesus asked? Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to everybody in the room. Those of you that are watching online as well, I want you to know uh, we're going to be celebrating communion a little bit later on in the service. So if you're at home, if you'd like to grab um, a small piece of bread and some juice of some kind, it doesn't have to be fancy, but we would love for you to participate along with us. I'm battling jet lag big time. A lady from our church came up to me one time. She said, Grant, you preach better when you're jet lagged. I don't know if that was a compliment or not, but I'm going to go with it, okay, this morning. As we try to battle time zones, Laurel and I have been in Europe. We'll talk about that in just a little bit in a moment. I walked into a stark office. I tried to make myself comfortable, sat down while they attached electronic leads and wires to my chest and to my fingertips. The electronic detectors were going to measure my respiration, my perspiration, my blood pressure, and my heart rate, all while I was bombarded with questions from somebody that I had never met before. The questions made me uncomfortable. Have you ever bought or sold illegal drugs? Have you ever been convicted of a crime? Have you ever smoked marijuana? Have you ever sexually assaulted anyone? And the questions got more personal and more intrusive and more offensive by the second. I was undergoing a polygraph in order to become a chaplain with the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office, and it was awful. The questions were brutal, not because I was guilty, but because I've never had anyone ask me those kinds of questions before. The detective who was administering the test said, have you ever stolen anything from your workplace? And I start explaining, well, I'm sure, I'm sure I've taken like a pen or something along the way. And he interrupts me and he goes, I'm not talking about paper clips. I want to know, have you ever loaded up a photocopier and sold it to somebody? (laughs) And then he said this, he goes, I hate doing this with pastors. You guys feel guilty about everything. True, it's an occupational hazard. And for the record, I passed the polygraph, okay? The questions that the detective asked, they were designed to push me, to make me uncomfortable, to test my integrity and to elicit honesty. They were designed to determine, are you being evasive or are you being straight up? I'm going to warn you, Jesus is going to push you today. Some questions make us feel comfortable. Questions like, how are you? Can I get you something? Do you need to talk? How can I help? I love those kinds of questions. But there are other kinds of questions that will make us squirm. Why did you do that? Do you know how much that hurt? How could you have done that to me? Those questions will challenge your soul and your character. And over and over again, Jesus asks questions. Do you believe that I can do this for you? Who do you say that I am? Will you follow me? I think Jesus would still like some answers. Laurel and I just came back from a missions opportunity in Europe, and while we were gone, Pastor Brian unpacked two red-letter questions from Jesus. If you want to understand the phrase red letters, it simply means this. If you open your Bible and you're reading along, if you see something written in red, it just means Jesus said it. Simple. This week, we're going to hear a red-letter question from Jesus in John chapter 6. It's going to make you squirm. Stick with me. Let me give you some background. In the last 24 hours preceding what we're going to read about today, Jesus fed the 5,000. 
Thousands of people are following Jesus, looking for his teaching and his miracles. The disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, the people are hungry. Jesus says, you feed them. The disciples respond, excuse me, we don't have any bread and we don't have any money. Jesus replies, what do you have? I love that. What do you have in your hand that you can offer to Jesus knowing that he'll take it and do a miracle? All they have is a little kid's lunch and Jesus takes it, multiplies and feeds everyone fresh bread. Hold on to that word, you're gonna need it all morning long. Fresh bread. Same day, the disciples set off for the other side of the lake where Jesus is preaching. Wind kicks up. The disciples are straining at the oars, trying to get to shore. Jesus comes to them, walking on the water. Just fed 5,000, and now Jesus walked on water. Do you see a pattern here? Jesus is sending a message. I'm not limited by amounts. I can make big things out of nothing. Oh, and yeah, I can control the very nature that I created. And then Jesus introduces himself in a new way. He says, I am the bread of life. Jesus makes seven statements in the book of John. Some of them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. And in John chapter six, he makes this statement. I am the bread of life. Now I want you to remember, the people were just fed bread in a miraculous way. As soon as I say fresh bread, can can you smell it? It's just so good, right? The situation's about to take a turn. Jesus is going to offer fresh bread, but he's also going to sift out his followers. He's going to differentiate between a fan, a friend, and a true follower. He's actually going to go on an anti-recruitment drive in the next couple of minutes. He's going to push some people away because they like the idea of following Jesus, but that's as far as their commitment's going to go. He begins to lay out a series of cringe moments in John chapter 6. Jesus gets a reaction when he says this statement. He says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. We find it in verse 41. The Bible says, at this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? So Jesus introduces himself. I'm bread that came down from heaven. And the people in the crowd go, Jesus, stop. You're not from heaven. You're from Nazareth. Little town just down the beach. You may have forgotten. Your mother is Mary. Your father is a carpenter. His name's Joseph. You're a local kid. And the claim you just made is really offensive. But instead of backing off, Jesus presses in. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. Okay, get the picture. First he claims he's from heaven and next it sounds like he's advocating cannibalism. It's like, where do I sign up for this family? Don't forget this, okay? The Last Supper or the First Communion hasn't even happened yet. 
Nobody has any context. The cross hasn't happened yet. These people have no context, but Jesus doesn't back off because he's looking for true followers. He's looking for people who are not just on the bandwagon when your team makes the playoffs. Mm, mm. No, he's looking for people who will be with him every step of the way through the cross through the tomb, through death, back to life. He's looking for people that are willing to pay the ultimate price along with him. He's not advocating cannibalism, but he's stating categorically, unless you're willing to lay down your life, just like I'm going to lay down my life, unless you're willing to have complete unity with me, communion with me in everything, if you're not willing to do that, you've got no life in you at all. Unless you're willing to take me in, to find your sustenance in me, to lay down your life, unless that happens, you've got no life in you at all. And that may all be confusing, and that's okay. It was really confusing to the people who were hearing this for the first time as well. Stick with me. Jesus is making a point. The cost of true discipleship, hard to swallow, no pun intended. And the reaction reinforces this idea. Verse 60, on hearing it, Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? The Greek word hard here is scleros. It means stiff, harsh, tough, thick. You may have heard this in a medical setting. Arteriosclerosis, it's hardening of the arteries. Scleroderma, it's the hardening of the skin. His followers saying, Jesus, this is, this is tough stuff. This is a hard teaching. It's hard to understand, hard to comprehend. We don't get it. What are you asking us to do? And with those questions rolling around in their minds, this is what happens. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You get the picture? It's been a really nice church service up until this point. And then Jesus starts talking about eating flesh and drinking blood. And people are like, I am out. Can we go back to the miracles? Can you do that walk on water thing again? That was really, really cool. Can you stop talking about all of this blood and flesh stuff? This is just creeping me out. Let's pause here for a moment. Some of us naturally disconnect from the emotion of abandonment because it just hurts our heart when we picture people walking away. The reason it hurts is because we've all felt the sting of rejection when somebody who we thought was, was with us and for us proved not to be and their abandonment, that picture of them turning and walking away, it's just, it's, it's burnt onto our soul. We don't like that picture, right? The picture of people turning their back on Jesus and walking away, it strikes at the core of our being because so many of us can relate to being abandoned. We may may not struggle with abandonment. Maybe we're struggling with the word disciple, but we shouldn't. Disciple just means follower. And that's not a foreign concept, right? We're all into following and being followers. 
In our social media-driven world, influence is determined by how many friends and followers you have. Here's the interesting part. Many of the friends and followers you have, you have never met before. You have no idea who they are. They're just following you. And not only do you have followers, but you're probably following some people. I follow people on social media that I've never met, but I still welcome their influence every single day. And it's a big deal because Americans spend more time in a day following or being followed on social media than we spend bathing, eating, or talking to another human being. Don't tell me this is not a big deal to all of us. We're all being followed or following somebody. Average person spends two and a half hours a day. Think about that, on average. That means half of us are spending more time than that, either following or being followed. Well, we're having a, we're having a moment here. <laughs> and in this moment, many of Jesus' followers have decided to unlike his feed. They're unfriending his heart. And they're ghosting his call to salvation. Jesus' followers stop following because the cost is just too great. And I don't want to water this down because it is time for the true followers of Jesus to stand up and be heard. I am not going to make this easy or palatable. Following Jesus will cost you everything temporarily. It will also give you everything eternally. When you follow Jesus, you give up your earthly rights in exchange for a greater heavenly citizenship. When you follow Jesus, you might lose some friends, but you will gain a friend who sticks closer than a brother. When you follow Jesus, you can no longer stand with the opinion of the world, but you get to stand with the conviction of a greater kingdom. When you follow Jesus, you will experience spiritual opposition, but you will also receive the armor of God, the protection of Jesus, and you get to walk your journey with the victorious one. Do you see the beauty of that exchange? In this moment, people are leaving. They're walking away from Jesus. And Jesus turns to his closest circle of friends. And here comes the red letter question from John 6, 67. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Hey guys, my, my closest circle, you with me? Or are you leaving too? My imagination just kicks in. You can cut the tension with a knife. I mean, James starts shifting over closer to his brother. Thomas starts writing out questions. Judas is just shifty. James and John start yelling about something, living up to their names, the son of thunder. And then Peter answers and listen to his response in verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is Peter pushing his entire existence in right in front of all of his friends. I am not going to speak for the other 11, but as far as me... <laughs> I'm all in. Isn't it interesting that he was the same guy that would deny him three times just a couple of days later? 
But I love Peter's answer in the moment. I believe it was so insincere. In fact, honestly, if I was in that moment, boy, I wish that was my answer. I hope that would be my answer. You have the words of eternal life, and I have come to believe and know you are the Holy One of God. I pray that would be my declaration. And if you take the declaration apart, here's what you see. You see that Peter's answer is comprised of trust. I love his honesty. I mean, he just says, God, I, I haven't found a better option. You can walk on water. You can feed thousands from a single bag lunch. You know me and you still love me. That's a miracle. So I'm going to trust you are exactly who you say you are. And then he makes this statement. You have the words of eternal life. Peter is saying, I'm accepting your authority. I'm choosing you to be the authority over my life, which means this. Your conviction trumps my conviction. Your opinion is greater than my opinion. I take a knee in front of you because you're the king and I'm not. When it comes to authority, this is where so many people walk away. They love the salvation and the eternity part of the word of God. Where they struggle is with the wisdom, the standards, and the accountability of the exact same word. People want to cut and paste scripture. They like to keep the parts they can handle, the ones that make them uncomfortable, that whole flesh and blood thing. Mm, not interested. They love the, the love parts of scripture, but the, the justice, the sin declarations, the call to be different and live holy. Well, we start hearing that kind of stuff and we're just like, Jesus, I, I, I just don't think you should be forcing that on people. Like, well, let's adopt a new, a new motto. Like, you just do you. And Jesus is like, that's not the way it works in this kingdom. This is a dividing line. It's a dividing line we all need to think and ponder through before we say, oh yes, I follow Jesus. Because here's what Jesus is saying. You accept it all or you accept nothing. It's not up for negotiation. Peter then says, you know, I've, I've, I've seen everything you've done with my own eyes. I know and believe. Here's my declaration. You are the Holy One of God. So Peter, he starts with trust and then he moves to authority and then he makes a statement of belief. He's just like, I believe. I believe. All of it. <laughs> and then he makes a statement of knowledge. I believe and I know with a knowing that you are God. Here's the reality. We all face days when we're tempted to walk away. We all face days when, when the pressure of the world to conform scares us. We all face the pressure to align with and compromise and play semantics. We all have a struggle when we have to ask the hard questions of ourselves and it all boils down to this simple issue. Will we continue to follow Jesus when there's a cost? Can I tell you what Jesus wants today? He wants a relationship with you. 
He wants an eternal abiding friendship. And he wants loyalty and fidelity from his followers. He wants us to say yes to following. He wants us to count the cost, eat the bread, drink the fluid, pay the price, and then reap the benefits of being a true follower of Christ. This is not an easy thing. It's hard. Because it goes after the very core of who we are as people. I put it this way in your outline. I called it a modernized red letter question from Jesus. It sounds like this in the face of cultural pressure. After counting the cost, Jesus is asking, are you with me? Will you put your trust in me? Will you choose me to be your final absolute authority? Will your belief and knowledge sustain you as my follower? Wednesday afternoons, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, I do a a YouTube question and response um, show. People from around the globe text in live questions. Drew Young, who you guys recognize, he does the little intro piece. He's our our digital communications guy. Drew kind of moderates the conversation. I will never, ever, 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 ever forget when a story popped into the chat box from a little boy in India, fifth grade, He said, I'm going to school today and I'm going to share Jesus with my classmates. I know I will be beaten. Will you please pray that I have the courage to share anyway? That's a real follower. He's counting the cost and saying, I'm going to follow anyway. We all encounter moments like that when when fear is knocking at the door. Happened to Laurel and I just yesterday. So something happened this past week, doesn't matter what it was, but the first response that was available to us was both fear and anxiety. Because what was going to happen, it was a real life moment with real implications. But I'm so thankful for a godly wife who just said, we need you to just stop and open our Bibles and run to Jesus. So we flip open our Bible randomly, just flop, let it fly open. And here are the very first words of the very first verse that our eyes go to. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And because of God's word and God's promise, you know what showed up? Peace. God was there, and he's here right now. And I think Jesus is asking the same question for all of us. Are you leaving or are you staying? Will you follow? Or will you walk away?
Jesus doesn't leave any room for for wiggle today, <laughs> right? He says, I, I, I really need to know. Are you with me or not? And I understand that there's all different kinds of people with all different kinds of stories in the room today and watching online at home, but I, I just, I, I need to ask you the question. When it comes to Jesus, are you with him? Or are you going to walk away? Some of you are like, but Grant, I, I, I can't stay with him because I'm, I'm not following him yet. You can today, right now. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus wants you to have an eternity with him. That's what makes these hard teachings understandable and palatable because of everything that God offers. And I just want to say to you, if you came today and you're searching and you're curious and you're just like, I just, I don't know what my eternity is. You can know for certain today. When I was a high school senior, I had a moment when I had to decide whether or not I was going to follow Jesus or not. He gave me no choice. There was no wiggle room. There was no multiple choice. It was just like yes or no. I chose yes. Best decision I ever made in my life. That decision saved my life. And I want to give everyone in the room an opportunity if you've never received Christ today, to make today the day of not only your first relationship with Jesus, but your first communion as well. How beautiful that those two could go together on the same day. I also want to give you an opportunity. If, you, if you're here today, you've been walking with Jesus, but for whatever reason, you've decided to go and try some other things, that today would be the day you returned and came back and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So we're going to pray together. And then we're going to have communion. Because I think now we understand a little bit better just exactly what Jesus was asking for. And maybe it'll make us appreciate it just a little bit more. Would you pray with me? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're, if you're here today and, you, and you're just having an honest moment saying, Grant, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can, and it starts with a simple act of faith. It's an act of faith. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, sweetie, how are you? It's okay. She can stay. Thanks, Mike. This is Kaylee. She's my prayer warrior. And she always has my back. Okay. So let's pray. If today's the day when you make the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart right now. Father God, I confess that I've fallen short, that I've sinned. But today I give my life fully and completely to you. God, I pray right now that you would forgive my sin and wash me as white as snow. God, I choose today to follow you. I don't want to live my life for me anymore. I want to live my life for you. 
So Jesus, I open my heart. I ask for your forgiveness and I receive the eternal life that you've given me. Jesus, I don't understand all of it. But I understand that I'm a sinner and you're a savior. So I give my life to you fully and completely. And I pray this sincerely from the depth of my heart. So with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, I just would love to know if you made that choice today. So if you gave your heart to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up in the air? God bless you, young man. God bless you and you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you over here. God, thank you that you're still saving lives, changing hearts, and welcoming people into your family. For all the rest of the followers in the room, I'd like to ask you to answer Jesus' question today. Are you leaving too? Or are you staying? And in an act of faith and declaration, if you as a follower of God would reaffirm your commitment to follow him today, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We come together today, God, and we reaffirm our commitment to you. God, we don't want to run away. We want to stay with you. We want to follow you even when the teaching is hard. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would bless our time together as we have communion with you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you accepted Christ for the first time today, after the service, we'd like to get to know you just a little bit. I promise you nobody's going to do anything weird. We'd like to hear your name, maybe just a little piece of your story. And you may not even be able to articulate your story today, but that's okay. We just want to walk with you. Nobody should walk the story of Jesus alone, ever, ever. So after the service, if you accepted Christ and raised your hand, I'm going to invite you to take a big courageous step and to, to come right over here to your left underneath the screen. Pastor Brian and the belonging team are going to meet you there. If you need prayer for anything, the after-service prayer team will be up here on your right. We'd love to do that together. So now Kaylee and I are going to lead you in communion. And I think this is just awesome. If you'll take your little cup, open the bread side I'm just going to peel the top back everybody that's watching at home you can grab a hold of that piece of bread that you've got on your table the Bible says on the night Jesus was betrayed he took bread and when he broke it he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me can I encourage you to do something remember his death but don't forget his life Remember that he lived, that he laughed, that he danced, that he had friends, that he loved to worship his father. 
do this in remembrance of him. Let's all take it together. If you could peel the lid on the juice side. The Bible says after supper, he took a cup. And when he had drank it and presented it to them, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. It's a new relationship. It's a new opportunity for eternity. It's new for you. Old is gone. New has come. And you can receive the new covenant today. Jesus was not advocating cannibalism. (laughs) He was saying, I've got you for eternity. Let's take it together with great joy and thanksgiving. Jesus, thank you for the gift of remembering all that you are and all that we have. So God, we thank you, we bless you, we're grateful to you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that those who just received their very first communion would know how welcome they are in the family of God. Lord, here we are. Would you meet with us again? We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So church, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're not done yet, but we need to respond. If we're going to follow, we need Jesus with us every step of the way. So would you stand to your feet and let's worship.